Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Ice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It has been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many games out there that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast, is to, to dig into some of the nooks and crannies out there and to talk about the games that people are playing so some of us don't feel like we're missing out. Uh, now, I am overjoyed to uh, welcome back a, a guest from a former show this week. Now, oftentimes uh, we talk to guests who play the games that we like to talk about. Uh, and sometimes we get to talk to the authors as well. And I know recently um, between the Warlord podcast and uh, Cast Dice and uh, whatever other shows, oh, uh, Beyond the First Marker, the Star Wars Legion podcast on this network, we've talked to all kinds of um, creators, both larger game systems and small. But it is a special, uh, exciting moment for me when we get to welcome back um, one of the most prolific and interesting Australian game designers that I'm aware of. Uh, I'm a huge fan of this guy's work. And when we had him on before, it was to talk about a game that... I mean, was fully developed in and of itself at the time, but has just blossomed since. And it's been over a year. And while we were talking off air, we literally couldn't believe, because I've been following his work and all the stuff he's been doing since the last time he was on, how much his game has developed. It feels like 10 years, not one. Um, of course, I have to be talking about my friend in the far north of Australia who's wearing his board shorts in the rain. Of course, I'm talking about Anthony Millette from Trader Galaxy and his awesome game, Bot War. Anthony, welcome back, man. Thanks, Brad. Thanks. What a what a great... Um, I feel really special now. It was an excellent intro there for me. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, hey, I, I, I am legit excited to have you on to talk about bot war now a long time ago it seems uh you came on to talk about the game that you'd created which was version one of bot war but since that time you have come out with version two which was a cleanup um of the rules the game itself at the time i believe was a pdf and now we have an actual rule book um it, that you can publish and hold in your hands i know i'm holding it it's awesome um, and the game has just, you have world built on an epic scale and you've pulled inspiration from some of my favorite places. I'm so excited. And to have you as an independent game designer from the country that I live in is pretty amazing, man. Um, oh God, the last time you were on bot war was nothing but, uh, and when I say that it, I, I'm not trying to say that the game was not fully developed. Um, was sort of combat between 80s-style giant robots. Um, but since that time, man, everything's changed. Um, you want to talk a little bit about, you know, where your universe has gone for a bit so that folks can get an idea of how the scale has blossomed? Yeah, it's, it's actually um, thinking about it, and I know we were talking a bit before the show about... Um, some of the things like it's actually when I, when even I stop and sort of look back, it's actually really staggering how far it's actually come in such a short space of time. Right. Um, 
it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing really and like like i for the most part i never think of that i'm just like okay what's the next thing what's the next thing let's go let's go let's mm-hmm. go and i'm it's not till you really look back and think wow like look how far it's actually come in such a short space of time yeah so since uh, since we were well sorry since i was last on the show We've now got a fully established background. Mm-hmm. Nearly every single, pretty much every single character, I think except for three, have full bios mm-hmm. and and sort of personalities. Um, the we have ten factions now. Yes, I was um, trying to count them while you were speaking. I was going one, two, three. So you're yeah. up to ten. Yeah. So ten, wait, I've capped it at ten, but actually within. Those ten written into the background are a few sub factions mm-hmm. that you would use the existing rules for, and you would just sort of theme it as as a sub faction, I guess. Right. Yeah. But um, so there's ten factions, and they ca- not all are bots. I think from memory, there's uh, I want to say, well, most have bots, but they're not yeah. uh, bots. Aren't the primary. Um, yeah, they're not integral. Course in like in like four of them at least. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, like it just spans. Like it's just, <laughs> I, it's hard to even um, articulate it into proper words, sort of how far it's come. Yeah. So well, let's we, let's talk. Uh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about what some of those factions might look like, and I know we'll talk in more depth. But let me just give a couple brief overview mentions here so we've gone from sort of good guy robots and bad guy robots to um now we have beast robots um that are sort of dinosaur themed um we have insect robots we have tanks we have helicopters we have airplanes we have infantry now that's cool given that this is an eight millimeter game um yeah, we, correct yep yep we have cars that transform into battle mode um but don't transform into robots we've got correct. um underwater kingdoms we have oh golly uh, i'm uh oh like uh trashed um like salvage yeah we have um, yep go ahead we have um Trashes, which are sort of um, they're sort of like disowned bots. Mm-hmm. Um, we have we actually have cybernetic dinosaurs. Nice, like real dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Um, resurrected with DNA. We have giant alien brains with That's right um, sharks and mm-hmm. gator warriors. A huge giant squid. Um, it's it's pretty diverse now, actually. Yeah, but and if the, and the, if you're the, what I, what sorry, I, go ahead. Sorry, well, what I love about that is that the backgrounds of each and every one of those ten factions are all intertwined. Yeah, um, and it's that was sort of a fluke. It sort of wrote itself, um, yeah. which is bizarre. Yeah, I I was uh, having read through a lot of it. I was really impressed with how everything does sort of intertwine. Um, and though, and I, I do want to sort of draw an underline under this, if folks are listening to the beginning of this before we get into things in depth, if you were a child 
who at any point loved a toy from the 80s. Um, Though this game is firmly based in its own universe, it has its own fluff, and it's deep and rich, and as you say, everything's got a write-up, everything's got a personality. If you read that, while it's its own original IP, its own original universe, uh, world, whatever you want to call it, if you also read it and you look at the models, my God, does it look like my toy box in the 80s. I mean, literally, it looks and feels good. Um, I mean, everything, you look at those giant dinosaurs, you look at the cars or the 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 rig, like the semi-tractor rig that's got weapons that pop out of it uh, and people driving it, and then you have those, like a giant, tape recorder robot that's spitting out cassettes and you have the snake corp infantry um advancing in front of tanks with a giant robot behind it my god does it look like my childhood and it is it is so colorful and so creative man the fact that you've been able to sort of swoop it all together into one big universe is huge um you you points to you for uh creativity originality and just world crafting man it's awesome yeah and actually um i i i posted on the um bot war facebook group um not long ago that it literally felt like that i just scooped up every single pleasant um experience Mm -hmm. from my 80s childhood um threw them into a giant melting pot and cast up bot war so good that's that's pretty much how i described it we've got inspirations from pretty much all of the saturday morning cartoons that i used to watch mm-hmm. um and you jump out of bed early in the morning you'd be there in your pajamas like waiting for it to all start and, mm-hmm. and then you'd be spending the next two hours watching the saturday morning cartoons but also those prime time shows that you used to talk about when you get to school the next day yeah you know, your macgyvers you know, 18. your Rockford Files, mm-hmm. your, um, you know, your favorite movies like Big Trouble in Little China and all these great um, stuff, all this great stuff that I absolutely loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just like thrown the whole lot in there because as far as I'm concerned, that's that's what I want to do. That's yeah. what that's the game I want to play. Yeah, man. And it so. is cool. And yet for all of that. Um, for being an eight millimeter game, for it being, you know, such tiny infantry and, you know, matching vehicles. When I say, I don't think the vehicles count as tiny. They're in fact quite sizable. Um, unlike some games, the vehicles are big in this game. Um, and robots that are just tower over those. Yeah. The robots almost, are uh, pretty big. It is almost a skirmish game in scale. Um, I mean, you don't yeah, and, need a thousand models to play this game. That's correct, and and most games are played at eighty points, which is about five to ten models yeah. um, per side. But that's that's another um, interesting thing that wasn't really planned, but it sort of worked out really fantastic mm. in the sense that if if there, there's players that like playing the really small scales, mm. and then there's players that only like your sort of twenty eight mil scale Mm -hmm. well those players can now play each other in my game exactly because you can take forces which actually have a lot of infantry a lot of vehicles 
at your sort of eight to 10 millimeter scale. Mm-hmm. But then the other person who only likes painting and building 28 can just take bots. Yeah. And, and so it's sort of the best of both worlds. That is cool. And eight millimeters, a fun scale to paint. Um, having painted some infantry and some, uh, some smaller things for other games. Um, it's surprisingly easy. Um, if you know a few tricks and those tricks are easily obtained online these days. So even if you do want to paint the quote unquote larger force factions for this game, it's really fairly straightforward and you can get stuff done pretty quickly watching people's progress on the Facebook page, man, people are cranking through these models and they look great. Yeah. Well, we had the, um, we had a, we ran a painting challenge. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, back in November, and I think uh, like 17 people participated, mm-hmm. and some people painted like 300 models or something. Yes, it was um, bonkers. During that month, um, which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, it was, it, and, and they looked really good. Yeah. Like the, the great thing about um, the models, like you just get some nice bright colors on mm-hmm. them, and they actually look really, really good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk. Um, let's talk game mechanics a little bit. So, if you have, uh, let's say, five to eight models on a side, probably seven, more likely six. Um, each model has an activation. Um, now, this is a resource management game to a degree. So, each robot. Um, bot, I should say, or unit in the game generates energy. And those little cubes, energy cubes, are what you, sort of the currency that you spend over the course of the turn to determine what your guys can do. Um, So you can spend some of those to activate individual models, and that allows each model to have its own couple of act, you know, actions that they can move, they can shoot. Um, they have some innate abilities built into their cards that they're able to do uh, depending on the model. But then they have super abilities that you can sort of boost up, um, and you can boost yeah. up damage and things like that. So you do need to manage your energy over the course of the turn. So you can sort of hyper boost some of your models, but then not activate some, or you can activate everyone, but not get the best abilities, which I think leads to some really cool tactics. Um, Am I getting how the turn breakdown works generally right? I mean, I embarrassingly, I still haven't played this, although I keep looking and loving. So talk to us about how this works. Yeah, well, actually, um, it's sort of um, two games in one. So mm. um, one, there's there's some real important key aspects of the game that actually make it work. And um, one of those is that everybody has a strategy rating mm-hmm. and you must activate your models in ascending strategy rating That's order right. regardless of who has the models. Right. So... So one thing uh, coming from a Warhammer fantasy tournament uh, playing background, Mm -hmm. one thing I really got out of that game was making your army list. You know, you spent, you know, so many hours like going over different units you were going to put in and things like that. And one of the great things about Bot War is that there's more than one lever that makes your force strong. Right. So you've got you've got to consider like you you mentioned it before how many energy cubes your 
model is bringing to your faction. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're correct, you you have to you get two activations uh, per turn mm-hmm. per model. That's right. So you you've got to use those energy cubes to spend to activate and do different things. And there's different costs. Most things are just one energy cube cost, mm-hmm. but um, for super abilities, it's usually two. That's right. But um, so you've got to manage your energy and who is is going to do what in a turn almost before you've done it. But the variable in that is the strategy rating order, yeah. which means that your opponent could be activating a model before you get to activate. That's right. And and where I think the game sort of really becomes magical is, is that you can spend, like say for instance, your uh, opponent activates and causes you... Um, uh, wants to attack your model mm-hmm. and you have a couple of cubes left on that model, well, you can choose to spend some of those cubes to boost your defense, um, right. which means that you might not have those cubes available when you go to activate. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so or likewise, um, your opponent may um, stack up energy cubes on their model and you can say, okay, well, that model's going to be doing something this turn. Mm-hmm. And so then they get to boost their attacks against something they really want to try and take down. Yeah. So it's that sort of like back and forth. Do I want to boost these shields? Do I want to boost this attack? Mm-hmm. Um, or do I just let it go? Because if I boost, I won't be able to do my thing in my activation. Mm-hmm. Um, that dynamic is the really where most of the game is played. Um, which actually makes leads to back to the army list building in the sense mm-hmm. that there's no redundant there's no redundant models in bot war because usually the weaker bottle models are supplying you more energy yeah whereas the larger more powerful models always seem to get starved of energy mm-hmm. they're hungry so if you don't have a balanced force you're gonna really you can't just take all powerful guys. And expect to just walk over because what happens is you, you take a few hits, you take use your your boost of shields, and then everybody's starved for energy, mm-hmm. and you can't really do anything. So the trick is balancing out and letting your whole force players as one, rather than um, just putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the way that. You really do, as you say, there are more than one lever that you have to consider when building a force. And it does give yeah. the game that, um, having watched uh, quite a few gameplay videos on YouTube and watched you uh, talk about some of the games through the Facebook page, um, those those hard decisions are what really make this game uh, unique or special. A lot of times you get a game with five or six models and you will see an abundance of text on a card uh, for each model. And each mo- and each one of those things sort of breaks the rules one way or another. And it, they do interesting things. But you, it, it, it can sometimes feel a little pointing clicky. Um, the fact that you have to make a decision, you have to manage your resources, I think is one of the, the key aspects of this game that really makes it sing but on top of that it's fun 
So it, yeah, un, yeah, <laughs> it, and I think that's the because you can get really bogged down in games where it it isn't fun, um, and you spend oh how many of these do I have? How many of this does? And you just you're doing math the whole time, and that there yeah. some of those games are fun, but the fact that you are forced to make those hard decisions, and that's built yeah. in the game, and it's fun yeah. and beautiful on the tabletop, yeah. just makes this sing. If that makes sense. Yeah, and that's actually that was one of the the main themes I wanted to keep from the very start is that um, I don't want people to get oh I've got to learn another lot of rules fatigue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like um, I just want people to pick up, they read a few pages of rules, mm-hmm. and on the surface the game is really simple. Yeah. But as you play it and you realize how everything fits together. It's actually, I know it's a bit of a cliche to say that's easy to play, but really difficult to master. Yeah. But that's sort of exactly, if you if you have been watching some of the games that um, mm-hmm. Aiden, my friend, and I have been playing, it has been, it has been like that. Like, we've discovered little synergies between different mm-hmm. models and different, uh, and, and sometimes it, you know, like every dice game, sometimes it comes down to that role. Yep. But... But at the end of the day, like everything, um, um, there is a lot of strategy there. There is. And, you know, a lot of um, who's activating when and knowing your opponent's force and all those mm-hmm. all those things that I think go into making a real um, uh, war game with real depth. Yeah. Yeah, and it in tying in another layer to that, it ties nicely with the uh, the universe that you've created. It feels right to see the models that are doing things on the table. They look like they should be doing that thing. Um, you know, yeah. like the jets are traveling or the giant robots that change into jets are traveling further. Um, yes. Right. So they're flying around. They're grabbing objectives. They're being pests. Um, meanwhile, you know, some of the big, you know, battle axe guys are trundling up the table and they're taking they have the capacity to take more hits. Um, they have, yeah. you know, more powerful weapons, but they're, they're also sucking up a lot of that energy in the process. That's exa- that, and that's exactly right. Is that, um, the other key theme is I wanted all the factions to pl- have their own, uh, personality mm. in, not just in the actual background, but in the way they actually played true to themselves. Right. So, so like you have the beast Lords, for instance, you might only be able to fit three or four on a table, mm-hmm. but boy, oh boy, can they dish out some punishment. And they're big. Like, mm. they're, and, they're, and they're huge, right? Like, And yeah. I want um, – I remember the when I first discovered war games, playing those games where, you know, you'd bring along a couple of knights and your friend would bring along a dragon. And mm-hmm. there was actual real fear there. Yeah. There oh, yeah. Fear. It's like, oh, he's just going to – rip me apart with this this dragon and i and i want to capture a bit of that in the um in bot war as well is that you know beast lords their very name the very personality what they do their history the way they play and the fear they inspire should all fit as to round out that entire faction yeah man so and and when I when we put to um, mostly it's Aiden and I that are bouncing the ideas around, but um, as I'm sort of balancing out 
the um, factions and how they play. Like each faction has a real theme. Like for instance, the democracy, which is like your um, sort of uh, weaponized vehicles and mm-hmm. infantry and, and things like that. They, they don't have any bots. Right. So they're, they're, their entire game, um, they're really your, your wood elves of the, of the bot war world. You don't really want to get into close attack with them. They're great at shooting. They've got scout. Um, they're reasonably fast, and and that's how they should be played. Yeah, exactly. But their whole background is about guerrilla warfare, returning to um, special, highly specialized units, and so the whole everything from start. And there's a lot of individual heroes in that force. Mm-hmm. So the whole of that faction fits together. Um, and likewise, you know, you have um, your deceivers. Mm-hmm. The very name of them suggests that they're tricky. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of like dirty tricks, and and so they have a uh, a lot of models with things like mind control and mm-hmm. mind read that can mess up your game. Mm-hmm. And they're quite fast. They don't really like to engage very well, but they can move move around the battlefield quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and then you have things like your valiants, and they're sort of your 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 warrior priest types, mm-hmm. and they they very much like to deal with things head on, and so a lot of their um, a lot of their characteristics are like you got your ram attack, you know, getting in close, but they're okay at ranged as well. Like they're sort of like your middle of the road side type of um, type of faction. Yeah. So and this like. That's definitely um, a real desire to make all of those factions behave exactly how they sh- would behave if they were in a cartoon. Exactly. And my <laughs> God, much. yeah. And it and they look like they have just walked out of a cartoon, which is, the, in my opinion, the best part. I mean, yes, I love <laughs> games. Yes, I love mechanics that work. Um, but, man, the, the aesthetic for this game is lives in my wheelhouse it's perfect so yeah i love it i love it yeah and yeah i'm really pleased with how um the models have um evolved into into their sort of the the real own thing you can like uh it was always a um it's always that um when you're sort of developing the models and and working through like with your like i have i do have um a sculptor and an artist now, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't have really before. Um, and when you're sort of working through with that team, um, it's it's really interesting how well lucky really that we've managed to retain that feel, yeah, while at the same time creating something completely unique. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that because the last time you were on. It was the first edition of the game. Um, it was yeah. um, every model uh, existed, and there, you know, there were models for everything in the game that it was out. And then you did something unique. You took every existing model in your range, and you rejigged it. Now I can hear people in the background <laughs> going, "Oh, panic, panic! Why would you do that? Why would you do that?" Because 
because the game was evolving and you can still use all of the old models they still have all of the same rules um they you just sort of re slightly reskinned or i don't know if slightly you reskinned every character in the game um as the game had developed um now unlike some game systems and we both worked for games workshop so i'm going to i'm going to call them out where when things happen like that, you know, may, models are made obsolete. You can't run them anymore. You absolutely can with yours. They're, in fact, they would be perfect. Um, but you wanted to have, you wanted, you really wanted to lean into certain aesthetics for your factions and to give each model their own flavor more than what currently existed. And by by doing that. Uh, I was revisiting uh, the models last night on the website, and I'd seen quite a few in the past. Um, and obviously, I've been watching them in gameplay videos for a long time. But just to go through um, the Traders Galaxy website and to look in each faction of Bot War and go, "Yeah, cool. Yes, that is that guy. I think you've nailed that aesthetic um, in in a really special and interesting way." That um, Especially since, how many models have you put out since in the last year? A hundred and fifty. It might be more. It might be close to two hundred. I think it's sort of weird how it's worked because I'm I'm new to this myself. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, you write some stories. The stories then feed the models. The models then feed back to the stories. Mm-hmm. And the back as the background grows, the models change. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you get to the end and you've got something completely different. Yeah, and it's fully influenced by all those inspirations that have gone before it. Mm-hmm. But you come out the end of that giant sausage machine with something completely new. Yes, and so I'm really um, now in sort of as we're going into like um, this latest sort of changing into resin and I've taken the opportunity to upgrade many of the models um, mm-hmm. as I've gone into resin, nearly a hundred percent of the current bot wall background is driving all of those designs. Awesome. So I'm really, really, really pleased with that. Like, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just com- like when the designs come out um, and I, you know, I brief in my concept artist um, and he just comes back with maybe three or four different ones. It's just like, yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's everything just seems to be working like a finely oiled machine at the moment. Like mm-hmm. to be honest, two hundred models, we're all pros at this now. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, practice makes perfect, right? That's right, and we've just kept. And let me tell you, Brad, I've made some mistake. I've made just about every mistake you could possibly make. <laughs> um, but um, now it's like between my two artists and the sculptor and myself, we're almost the same mind now. Mm-hmm. How how things are happening? I don't have to. Doesn't take as long to explain things. Like every like, yeah. Even the most difficult concepts they're sort of on board because they're sort of in the universe as well now mm-hmm. nice nice and I, I again i have to remind folks because i have to remind myself of this you are a one man i mean uh, clearly you now have um a sculptor you now have caster um you have people who no, i don't have a caster. 
I have a I have a manufacturer. Right, a manufacturer. But I'm still casting most of the stuff myself. So you are a one. I mean, literally, you are a one man operation. I mean, clearly not necessarily, but I mean, you are. You're a one man operation out of Northern Queensland. Um, I mean. <sighs> You do more um, game development, you do more background building, you do more model production and release and more updates than most major game companies. And you've done it in the last year where, I mean, and of course, this is what, your third year, second year of doing this? It's my third year of Trader's Galaxy, yeah. but it's my second year of Bot, Bot War. So it's your second full year of doing this, and then you've done more than most major game companies do in, like, five years. It's astonishing. But you you know what, Brad? I I say this to – I take every opportunity I can to encourage other people that want to do something similar. Mm. Is that, you know what? It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It may, when you think of the whole thing as a whole, mm-hmm. it's overwhelming, right? Yes. But there's actually a trick um, that I learned at uni. And I'm not sure we whether I spoke about this last year or not. But um, I, I started Traders Galaxy in my last year of uni. Mm-hmm. And um, I was doing my master's and I had to uh, work. It was more of a practical side of things. I had to work mm-hmm. more on an actual business myself. There was an entrepreneurship angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the issues I'd always had about, um, I love the idea of being an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. But I'd already always worked for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the issues I had, you never have any capital. And right. You, and when you don't have any capital, the other alternative is you've got to have this some fantastic idea that you've got to be able to really sell to people that do have capital. Yeah. Um, and that was always a major barrier. But when I, when I went through uni, one of the classes, which actually is the one I didn't fail anything, but it was the one I came closest to failing Mm -hmm. was, um, on entrepreneurship. And one of the, um, uh, one of the, not the lecturers, but the, the experts that you would normally cite in an, in an assignment or something yeah. like that. Um, she had become an academic, but she had, had been an entrepreneur and she wrote, um, about how it's not, it's just, it's just starting, starting with what you actually have mm-hmm. rather than trying to think, way down the track about all these things you may need to do yeah. like down the track. Right. And that's actually sort of goes against much of the rest of my uni course, which says you have to have a business plan. You have right. to like look, you know, do all mm-hmm. this stuff. Right. And so her whole concept was just, just do see what you got and do the very next thing to move you closer to what you want to do. Yeah. So my whole um, my whole thought there was, well, I have no money, but I, like I saw a thing on the internet where I could make a spin casting machine um, out of an old washing machine. Really? So I said, well, yeah. So I said, well, I I I could do that. Mm-hmm. I could have a go at that, right? Yeah. So 
I put an ad on a Facebook group, a second-hand place and for a washing machine that was no good, but the motor still worked. Mm-hmm. And I, I bought one for five bucks. Right? <laughs> nice. And so my New Year's, my New Year's resolution was going to be, okay, I'm going to go through this and try and make this into a spin casting machine. Mm-hmm. And I think it cost me overall like 200 extra dollars or something. Yeah. But in that time, I had to learn how to wire up electric motors, which I also found on YouTube. And I had to um, work with a machine shop on like creating some plates to put the mold Mm -hmm. in. I had to like, but the, the amazing thing that um, I didn't really expect at the, at the start is that every, I think everybody has within them. And I know it sounds a bit cliche. Everyone has within them the ability to do anything they want what's lacking is usually the confidence and the knowledge. Yeah. So, but what happened was by doing one step at a time, each step that you overcome was, it's almost like in bite-sized pieces. That's right. So each, each bite you took and you completed, you got like, I don't know if you've ever played uh, video games where you like do something and you get a little bit of health or a little Mm -hmm. bit of extra power. And then, which allows you to progress further in the game. That's right. And that's exactly what it's like. Every time I, like, I learned to wire a motor, which actually stalled my progress for like two weeks. Um, but I finally learned to wire a motor, and that gave me a little bit more confidence to do the next step. Amazing. And to do a little bit more confidence to do the next step, and all of a sudden, I turned the bloody thing on one day, and it worked. <laughs> that is so cool. And so then the next step was, okay, now I need to save a bit of money, which mm-hmm. was, I think, about uh, 500 bucks. And I got a great guy in Italy to sculpt me my first um, traditional sculpt miniatures, which were my five space chimps. Mm-hmm. And I cast them, and I sold just enough of them to actually buy a proper secondhand spin casting machine from the lady that supplied my metal. Oh, nice. So, so and then from there, like... It, like I got more sculpts done. I, I experimented with 3D um, sculptors. I'd used a lot of freelancers. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, then I needed a, a place to sell them. I was just selling them on um, secondhand mm-hmm. uh, sites. And so then, okay, I need a website. So then I actually built my own website and then um, I failed twice. And wow. then in the end, uh, then in the end, a freelancer helped me finish my first website, which was absolute crap, Brad, right? But it was <laughs> got to start was, somewhere, right? Yeah. It was enough to actually get your products on the store and, and mm-hmm. link it to PayPal and actually get some money from it. Um, and then my, my dad actually, uh, knew a web guy who did him, a, who did him a favor. So yeah. he actually built my proper website, which I have now. And, um, and it just, yeah, it just went like, little baby steps, baby steps, mm-hmm. baby steps. And then you take slightly bigger steps and slightly bigger steps. And then, um, the traders galaxy stuff was really difficult because it's, it was very much aligned with like 40 K at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, which was probably 10 years later than it should have been. Um, but then the, the bot war stuff, um, sort of cottoned on and that's when it really started to, to go and that's where mm-hmm. i finally got a bit of cash flow in order to just hit more development 
by that time I'd sort of made all the mistakes in the 3D uh, sculpting slash printing area. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, there was a lot of mistakes, like a lot. <laughs> well, like, it's funny to hear you say that because I'm literally holding a baggie of your models. And uh, I know that you use 3D printing technology to make the masters. And I, I know that you've spun cast um, the metal for these models that I'm holding, but they look, I mean, they are better quality than most major company models, if not almost all major company models. And I have a lot of models to hear you talk about making all these mistakes and to look at these models, either you're being incredibly um, humble about Not this, or, <laughs> or mate, you you really have taken those those lumps, and you've turned it around into gold. No, no, it was the lumps into gold, Brad, because there was a lot of tears. It's, <laughs> it's like, you know, there's nothing worse than um, waiting three weeks for a model to be sculpted and then paying, you know, $60, $90 for it to be printed and for it to arrive and it's the wrong size oh, and, you know, yeah. just stuff like that. And then you resize it and, it, and like the head's all out of shape and like, oh, yeah, every mistake, every single mistake. Um, because as well, like uh, – I don't know. There's not a lot of um, the interesting thing about it is that there's not a lot of specialization with 3D printer services in fine detail. No, there isn't. So, like, just going through with some of these people and saying, like, you know, you've got to taper your supports. You've got to sometimes do manual supports. You don't want to leave pock marks when you, um, which I call pock marks when you remove your supports, mm -hmm. you know, you've got to, you've got to semi cure it first before you remove the support. So you don't damage it. Like, you know, this, all these things has been a year or more of trial and error to actually understand. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. And it's, and it, there's been people along the way, which that the, um, it's been too much for them. And, you know, they've, they couldn't, they couldn't handle mm -hmm. the, um, the pressure of like what they need to be in order for me to be satisfied with that, with this, with the stuff. But I would think that, I think the, the models that you probably have, um, uh, okay, but they were not up to scratch as far as I'm concerned in regards to what the models are now. Like That's um, astonishing because the stuff I'm holding and I'm literally in, I can't know if you can hear this gang is, you know, <laughs> it's awesome. So to hear that just makes me want to go get some of the new resins. Now I know you also have a ton of metal, newer metal models since the stuff I'm holding, but God, is this good. I'm pouring it out on the table, by the way. I know this makes for bad radio, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so excited about that stuff. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and and that's and that's sort of where it is. Like the um, I just installed one of the new uh, Beast Lords, mm -hmm. which are actually um, shipping from my manufacturers very soon. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like the, just the crispness of it. Yeah. Like that's, that's what I really like is that I didn't want to, um, one thing I actually don't like is over detail. Mm-hmm. Like having to, like to me, it's more practical details and the details that you do have should be absolutely perfect. Yeah. Um, but you don't need to have every part of a model surface completely in detail for it to be a good model. In fact, I think it's a nice balance of, of some flat spaces, especially with robots, right? Like some flat spaces mm-hmm. and the detail. When you do the details, they should be absolutely perfect. And, and I'm thinking that the, the resin models are going to be delivering that from what I've seen of the samples so far. So I'm really pleased with that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So good. But, I mean, I guess at the same time, sorry, I guess at the same time, my sculptor and myself, when my sculptor started, he was actually um, a relatively beginner. And, but because we've done, like, mm-hmm. so many, like, he, like, the like each time I send him a concept, he's like, oh, so much detail. And I'm like, you know, you're up for the challenge, blah, blah, blah. And... You know what? He, he delivers every time. Yeah, man. So it's, he, he's definitely uh, – all of our skills have got better um, along the way, which is, which is, to me, really awesome because there's nothing worse than just doing the same thing over, not really learning anything, not mm-hmm. moving forward, and you're just, like, pumping out all this stuff, but there's, there's no improvement there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so – I feel that with each um, with each sort of batch of models that um, we put out, there's always like some level of improvement. Yeah. And um, so yeah, there's this there's way more ideas than there is ability to mm-hmm. um, to actually make them happen. So. Well, God, with the the amount of stuff that has happened, um, that is that is tr- truly frightening. Um, well, let's let's. <laughs> Let's back up a little bit. Um, now, we have talked quite a lot about different factions in this game and how they play differently. We've talked about um, how there's a huge spread between 8mm infantry and the giant Beast Lord models. Um, we've talked about well, how... Oh, we yeah. I was, a, I was about to say. But what we <laughs> haven't talked about are the biggest models yet. And this... <laughs> And when we're talking about the scale of your production, I think we can't go past talking about the combiners. Now, as a kid um, who collected, you know, in in growing up in Japan, there were all those robots that, you know, would... I had this train set that was made by... I want to say it was Bandai, and it was all of the big, famous Japanese trains. And it was the company that was then... A lot of their designs were bought and dragged to the U.S. and became Transformers. And it was... That Diaclone? Yeah, I I believe it might have been Diaclone. But Bandai stuff, I think, became GoBots, now that I think about it. Anyway, um, yeah, I think it was Diaclone. But um, the the trains then transformed into individual robots, um, to use the verb transform from Transformers, but, you know, we all know what we're talking about here. So they turned into, they could turn into robot form, but then they could combine into one giant train robot. Um, and it was my favorite thing ever. I thought it was the coolest toy ever. And then, of course, Transformers did it with, um, 
with the Constructicons and, you know, there were, they've done several other things over the years, but you have combiners in your game. And the fact that that is there got me so excited. Um, <laughs> and you sell them as individual robots, but then you sell the big one. Um, and my God, it is good. Yeah. Like the, the, the way um, combiners like their background and everything about them is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to everything else in the yeah. sense that um, the combiners are almost a bit dark in the sense that they're a possession. Mm-hmm. Um, so in bot war, um, in the background side of things, there's, there's um, like all this uh, AI code floating around. And I don't see, there's no sort of um, difference in bot war between the A, between AI code and sort of like a spiritual entity, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so um, the combiners are actually um, ancient primordial gods that were on earth at the sort of dawn of mankind. And the beast lords, I don't know if you've read this um, background, but the sure beast lords were- part. No, yeah. So the Beast Lords, there was actually originally 100 Beast Lords, and they were created specifically to bring down these primordial gods, of which there was five. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them uh, disappeared, uh, like sort of sort of was, was almost good, or uh, not good, but uh, didn't care so much. Mm-hmm. And so he sort of went away, but then the remaining four divided the earth up um, into four sections, um, and they're actually uh, wind, earth, fire, and water. Mm-hmm. And so, so for instance, uh, Destroyer, he's he's the primordial god of Earth. He was one of the most powerful. And you got Leviathan, who's the other combiner. He's the primordial god of water, which the Atlanticans worshipped. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they were defeated by the Beast Lords... They, they're because all bots are immortal. Their code just sort of went into the atmosphere. The AI code went in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So when, when the bots combine, they form like this link with part of that code in the atmosphere, which downloads into that larger body. Nice and yeah, almost like an avatar mm. of of the Eldar, right? Like yeah, forty k exactly. Um, so it sort of downloads into that and it's not the full power of Leviathan or whatever, but it's an avatar of um, Leviathan. Mm-hmm. So it can possess, it requires a lot of energy both in the game, but also in the background to mm-hmm. maintain that form. But it's, it's can be the, the entities that download into it actually give the some of those bots greater powers. So, that's sort of how combiners work from a background, but that then flows through to how they work in the game as well. Mm. I love how I, I, so the combiners, when I was messing around with first edition and we first talked, um, I hadn't in, in all the gameplay since I hadn't seen how combiners worked, um, because I don't believe they were in the original. And if they were, I missed it. Um, because I had version one and now I have version two. But rereading the rules the last night, 
I was really happy with how I saw how the combiners worked is because it would be very easy, I think, for you to say, oh, if they take damage and they combine, then they're healed and they become a separate thing because um, that's how it works in a lot of games. I, I'm thinking of Malifaux where, you know, a guy gets off his horse and all of a sudden he's magically healed. Whereas in this, um, you know, the parts combine, but those parts are still damaged. And if any one of those parts becomes... Um, or is destroyed, then the whole thing falls apart. It's like it can't hold it together anymore. And I thought that was yeah. just really clean and interesting, but thematically and narratively, it matches too. It's super cool. And it actually is a great balancing um, force in the game mm. because um, the combiners are actually really powerful, and the, and they're powerful. Most of them are powerful at uh, close range, not necessarily close attack, mm. but at close range within 10 inches. They're extremely powerful. But um, I wanted to be able to ha have sort of set strategies or tactics available to have to deal with if you're facing a combiner. Right. So one of those could be, oh, try and destroy one of the bots before it forms. Mm -hmm. um, or... Um, you know, once they're formed and it's formed on full health, it is difficult to destroy because you have to randomize the damage. That's right. But because the game is um, still using stack cards, well, each of those stack cards damage is, you're right, they actually stay, whatever it's taken before, it stays on. It just gives you that little bit of a boost. Um, and if you saw one of the games that... Um, Aiden and I had played where Aiden used uh, the Atlantic combiner uh, Leviathan, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I still laugh about. Um, I'd actually damaged um, the core combiner, the guy in the middle. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, to he had one damage point left, and then um, with a lucky shot, and then Aiden had formed the Leviathan and sort of walked up the street, and I I um, Sort of ironically, the way to bring down a big guy is lots of little guys mm -hmm. in close attack. Oh, nice. So, so if you tried to bring it down with shooting, you'd you'd struggle. Okay. But um, lots of little guys in close attack, and I happened to score one point of damage, and Aiden randomized that one point, and mm -hmm. of all the models, it fell on the one with one point of damage, and yep. the whole thing failed. And collapsed into the individual parts. Well, as you said um, earlier, that's one of the beautiful parts of the game. It's still a dice game, and so you know, dice rolling happens. You know, and that what that's what makes and what exactly what your story is. That would that's what made for a really exciting cinematic moment that you know yeah, you remember to this day. Yeah, that's exactly right. And if I can replicate that level of fun. Um, with everybody that plays Bot War, then yeah. awesome. I'm yeah. like super happy. Totally. Uh, but um, but yeah, like so, combiners are definitely a thing. I love that. The whole idea for me is that you know you giant, you giant bot striding down the city streets. He's as tall as like the the skyscrapers, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and and you know, or at the same time a giant squid comes along who's mm -hmm. massive and they, they get into a fight, but then there's all these little bots around 
Um, that to me is what makes a fun game. And that to me, that also captures the crazy storylines of those Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Is that, you know, that you never questioned as a kid. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, and you know, I, I, I don't want to question that in bot war. Cause to me, that's what made those Saturday morning cartoons. Awesome. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, but you know, it's, is that's that that side of things is is pretty fantastic. There is actually um, large models that aren't combiners, mm-hmm. but, but most of the large models at the moment are combiners. So yeah. we have the queen who she's she's sort of in that larger scale as well, um, and omen who will be larger in the new starter set. But oh, cool. um, so so yeah, but the the big guys are definitely the combiners. Well, let's 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 talk about the starter set because you brought that up, and that was my next talking point. Another big thing that's come out since the last time we talked is the fact that you do have a a full game. You're not going to just go to your website and order a couple blisters and a rule book and some dice, um, which and the dice come with the uh, energy cubes that you need to play the game. No, you, well, you can, um, but there is a cost effective slash cool starter set that a lot of games have and you have one and it looks yeah, great and it's the valiants versus the atlanteans yes yes that's correct um the it was it was a natural progression really like if mm. you want to be a legitimate um miniature and war games company you've got to have your flagship box set right and I tried to, like at the moment, um, although very, very, very soon, that'll be a full resin set. Um, but it, for a long time, it's been a metal set. Mm-hmm. You get two metal factions in there and um, cost me a fortune to post because it's mostly free post. Oh. But um, mm-hmm. but I feel it was worth it um, to have all that. In fact, you even got a full proper tape measure in there. That's right. Which was always one of my bugbears. I don't know about you. It was always one of my bugbears. You open up the... The the Weimar box. Something you get these red sticks. The whippy sticks. <laughs> my dog was so ex- shocked by my yelling whippy sticks randomly that he fell off the couch and ran away. Um, so yeah, oh man, the number of hours of joy that I've had whipping opponents with that. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> legitimately though, how often did you actually use them in a game? I think in all my years of wargaming, once because. We broke a tape measure and we happened to have one sticking out of a paint pot somewhere in the background. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah. That's exactly right. And I, I, I think you wouldn't be caught dead with a red whippy stick at a Warhammer tournament. And because I come <laughs> from Warhammer tournaments mainly, yeah. it's like you got to have your tape measure. What else are you going to click click um, impatiently as your opponent thinks about their move? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> So um, that's what I wanted to put into yeah. the uh, box set as well. So um, at the moment, we have uh, five Valiants versus uh, six Atlanticans. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm turning those mo- all those models that were metal, I'm making them into resin right now. And I'm hoping for the delivery of those uh, first week of April. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also get the, the, they are actually custom dice. So with custom values and 
the reason for that is I also I wanted to make them themed, but I also there's some really the way the dice worked. Um, we have actually some blank sides which um, mean mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to uh, the attack dice. And there's three types of dice in there, although there is one D6 just for rolling the scenarios and mm-hmm. and things. But um, the attack dice are always slightly stronger than the shield dice. Mm-hmm. Um, and But then you also have your black critical dice, which is essentially just a D3. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, so I wanted to... Um, that, was, that was interesting. Like, that really tested... There was like a nut, like it was putting that, um, getting that starter set and learning all about um, design of a box and, um, you know, designing the cards. I design all the cards myself mm-hmm. um, and just, and writing a rule book, like a proper rule book and designing it and placing all the photos and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, um I do have one or two typos in the book, which I couldn't believe after I've, I've happens to the best of us. Yep. 50 times. And, and, Mm -hmm. but, um, it doesn't really, it's only in the fluff side. It's not really in the rules. So, Mm -hmm. but, um, but that, it was a real learning curve and, you know, connecting with my manufacturers in China for it and, you know, negotiating that deal and, it was certainly like a milestone mm-hmm. when it came out, like my first actual boxed starter set. Yeah. So, um, and it's done really well, actually. It uh, It's now, we now have four um, retailers mm-hmm. um, that are stocking Bot War um, with a couple more in discussions. Nice. And I expect once we go to resin and more and more of the resin models come out, then a lot more of the, a lot more retailers will jump on board. Yeah. Um, so we've certainly had a lot of discussions um, uh, about that, um, and I haven't really pushed it to be honest um, until I go to full resin. Yeah. So just for the postage items, and mm-hmm. I want I really passionate having been a retailer and worked in retail a lot. Like it's tough for retailers out there, and I'm really passionate about. Like if they're going to help me grow my game, then I want to support them as much yeah, as I can. Exactly. So, so, and I want to, want to, I want to Traders Galaxy um, to really be that authentic, approachable company. Mm-hmm. Um, what that looks like as the company grows, I don't know, but I, I wanted to keep that authenticity, um, especially like with socials and stuff like that. I don't want to make any apologies if we you know do something wrong we just want to admit it and move Mm -hmm. on so but (coughs) look i think what you're doing is i mean i think a lot of game companies um have a fire and forget mentality where they kick things out and then move on to the next thing and while i think it could have been very easy for you to follow fall down that loophole of oh i'm just working on the next thing i'm working on the next thing i'm working on the next thing um, what I think is really exciting about what you've been doing is you are constantly out there um, in you know interacting with your fans, with the people who are pl- buying and playing the game. And when people have questions, not only is the Facebook group really good about answering them, 
but you yourself are out there helping people. And if things aren't right, you're talking with them. Um, and mate, just having that, being that approachable, I think is another thing that makes Bot War so special is that you are there at the ground level helping people, um, you know, figure out and play and have fun with your game. Yeah, well, I, the thing is, like, for, for me, is that, like, I know... I don't want this to come too dramatic, you know, but like, mm. like if, if I'm going to like, uh, like I still work a day job. So, so traders galaxy is still on the side, mm-hmm. but this is about making something that's long lasting. Mm-hmm. This is more to me, me personally about legacy. So mm. I don't want like, that's actually one. There's been so many amazing things that have been created by people um, in the in the war games world, mm-hmm. it's literally a flap in the pan. It's like, yeah. here it is. I've released it on Kickstarter. Everyone like goes crazy for it, and then a years later, it's under someone's bed. Yeah, and that to me is a is a shame. Like I want to create something like that. People they can eventually go next door and find an opponent. Yeah. You know, like I want someone, I want Bot War to eventually get into tournaments. I want um, Bot War to have like narrative campaigns that go globally. Like I'm not got, I've not got my sights on just like releasing the next thing and making a, making a bunch of cash and then moving on to the next thing and making a bunch of cash. Cause there's no longevity in that. Yeah. And absolutely. I actually, think that there's not as much enjoyment. I think uh, it's almost like, you know, uh, use a comparison when you travel to another country on a holiday, you can enjoy the sights and everything's nice. And then you come home. It's not till you live in that country that you really experience it. And there's a lot more fulfillment for having done so. Yeah. And I see the same similar things with games in the sense that, yeah, you can have this most amazing game, but if you're not really living it and breathing it, then it, you don't have that level of fulfillment that you would normally have. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's just me. I don't know how other people feel about that, but mm. it, like to me, like while I do will eventually do different projects, um, but will will not stop being supported. Yeah, and that I think when people are looking at sort of small bespoke game companies, you know, that is a legitimate fear that, you know, Oh, well, will this game company still be here? Will the game still be supported? Will, you know, will people be spending the money to, um, to make sure that in the future that people are still playing this game? Um, and the fact but that the, but two the years on, thing, yeah, the, maybe the fantastic thing, Brett, uh, sorry, Brad, that's right. Um, and maybe the unique thing is that, even if Bot War never sold anything ever again, everything that I have now, I can't lose because I can actually manufacture it in my garage if I wanted to. There you go. For next to nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and yep. the cards, the stack cards are available free on the website. Mm-hmm. The rule books are PDF. Like, yeah, exactly. If worst case scenario came around. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost nothing to maintain what I already have. That's all. Yeah. All my, all my um, 
sales and everything, including actually some of my own money at the moment, is is going straight into more research and development, producing more models, increasing the quality of the models, like all the actual um, background and all the writing and all that is just done by me myself. Mm-hmm. So, so the I don't see any way unless something happened to me, of course, where right. where Bot War would just stop. And like that's, I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah, you know, absolutely. So. And that's I think that really does um, that really or it should really uh, you know <laughs> level some people who might think oh no. Um, because, you know, I, to be fair, a lot of gamers have been burned. Um, but I mean, yeah, yeah. just looking at your track record for the last couple of years, if anyone's got a good, I mean, not good, stellar track record, it's you. Um, and also, I mean, God, man, I did my master's a couple of years ago and I wish I had something as cool. I mean, I can, I can analyze, uh, the uh, the effect size of student growth in an intervention program like nobody's business. <laughs> but man, to have this game as your legacy because of that, God, you have the best masters ever. It was just it was actually just a masters in business, mm-hmm. um, but it had a, like a entrepreneurial. Yeah, yeah. It was just from the uh, Sunshine Coast University here. Awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, like at the end of the day, I. I I didn't know what else to do because mm-hmm. – um, and I thought it was pretty good that none of the professors would know much about it. So if I needed to make up some stuff, I could just make it up and no one would know. Mm-hmm. Right on. <laughs> I didn't have to. I didn't have to. Nice. That. Like it's, nice. But, but, um, but, yeah, like it's, it's – um, it, I feel at the moment the, the whole – of bot war is on the cusp mm-hmm. of um, really um, it's, it's, it's certainly been growing. Like mm-hmm. you can see the Facebook group. Oh uh, yeah. The Facebook group has grown like really quickly in this year. Um, and there's just so much interest. There's a lot of players out there now. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people sort of getting, um, I, I find when people do discover bot war, they like really discover it. Yes. Like they're, they're just like, oh, where has this been all my life? Sort of, yeah. sort of stuff. I don't really get any sort of lukewarm people. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> right? They're like, oh my god, this is everything I ever wanted in gaming. Uh, I've seen <laughs> yeah, a ton right. of those posts, and then you know, you never go like, uh, what's this? Oh yeah, okay, this is okay. Yeah. Like no one posts that. <laughs> it always makes me feel a bit uneasy. Are these people going to be actually disappointed? <laughs> they, they they come out with so much excitement and so much enthusiasm, mm-hmm. which is fantastic, right? I, I'm really yeah. pleased. It's it's still surreal to me that um, that people can enjoy something that I've created. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was actually saying to uh, some of my friends at work, I was actually watching a uh, a, um, a Twitch stream mm-hmm. of someone actually painting my stuff and. And I was just like, it's so surreal that someone on the other side of the world can be painting and talking about something that I created here. Yeah, um, which is which is pretty fantastic. It's amazing. So, man. yeah. But um, but yeah, you know, like like there's certainly um, with the new Kickstarter coming up. Thank you. April, that is my and- next talking point. Shall we talk <laughs> Kickstarter? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
So you have a Kickstarter. Um, now the Kickstarter is just uh, it. It you are gonna. It is for the core set that currently exists, but it is the new no. resin models. No, it's not. Okay, it's then the correct core, me. The core set. The core set that currently exists is already going to um, new resin models. They will be here this April, and I'll instant like I've got the pre-order up at the moment on the website for that resin starter set. I saw that, and I was wondering how that differed from the Kickstarter. Okay, yeah. So the Kickstarter is effectively third edition. Oh, fantastic! Um, So what happened with the and you you sort of know yourself the jump between first edition, which Mm -hmm. was sort of um, a basic text-based rule book with hardly, I don't think, any pictures yeah. in it. I don't think it did, um, yeah. And, like, uh, the terminology was different, and um, the rule, the core mechanics were the same in first edition as they are in second edition, mm-hmm. but, like, there was a, it was a bit, cl- I felt it was a bit clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then second edition came along, and I and I managed to, I, I had some pictures, and I put in, um, some more scenarios mm-hmm. and eight of them. Now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then um, sort of got that cleaned up a lot of the rules. But mm-hmm. one of the things that I didn't have at that time was a fully established background and um, more intricate terrain rules. Mm-hmm. And like, I felt that the rules also could have used a bit more, streamlining and tidying up mm-hmm. and so Aiden and I have been working on like an FAQ that's on the on the website and there was a few as more people started to play they're like oh and what about this and you discover sometimes that you were just playing that way when actually it wasn't explicitly written in the rules that way gotcha so so I've taken the chance to um while first edition was amateur and second edition was, I would say, sort of just a bit above it, maybe semi-professional, mm-hmm. then third edition will be the actual, and I haven't called it third edition, I've called it just the bot war miniature game. Yeah. Um, third edition will actually be the full professional, you know, 40 pages of background, mm-hmm. um, you know, an extra uh, four scenarios, really in-depth terrain rules that mm-hmm. really flip the meta game on its head, mm-hmm. especially if you're taking infantry. So, for instance, um, there's some real serious um, building rules around how infantry interact with city buildings. And um, at the moment, infantry are relatively weak when you're coming up against a giant bot, right? But mm-hmm. in, the, in a building um, where bots can't actually enter buildings, only other infantry can, so you can actually, um, and then interactive terrain pieces like, is, why can't a bot pick up a signpost and whack another bot with it? Love you it. You know, like that—that's mm-hmm. all in the rules. Um, for instance, w- why wouldn't? And these are all designed as well, like um, alongside these new terrain rules. And that I've actually got a whole line of terrain coming out. So. Mm-hmm. Electricity pylons, for instance, like if a bot goes near electricity pylon, well, he could take a surge hit or he could get juiced up. Nice. You know, so that 
interactive terrain rules. It just adds a whole new dynamic to the game that I've always wanted to do, but mm-hmm. didn't really have the capacity to do it because I didn't have terrain that could be used and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So um, that's what I want to do. That, I mean, that's even though the Kickstarter's in April, um, it probably won't be delivered until the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so the current um, starter sets will be about two years by that, by that time. Yeah. But, um, but at the same time, really the Kickstarter is about bringing out 34 new models, uh, all in resin. And I, I, I'm laughing because I mean, again, we've already done what? 200 models. In the yeah, last, yeah. And now it's like, yeah, here's another 34. Whew. So much, so many personalities. Yeah, well, the good thing, or well, some of them are actually, um, some of them are actually existing models that have been upgraded, right? Because um, there's two reasons for that. One, um, in the background, uh, as I said, the bots are immortal, mm-hmm. and every time they've downloaded into a body, there's the valiants are pretty good, like they're they're relatively the same. But actually, the deceivers, when they're downloaded into a body, a little bit of cr- code is corrupted every time mm-hmm. so their bodies become more twisted and evil as um as that code is used to manufacture the new body that they're going into mm-hmm. so there's a bit of that but also like um i really wanted to cement in um the personalities of each of the factions so um even though there's 34 models in this in the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. uh, that's with all stretch goals. Um, I've also got another 25 models in resin coming out this year. Hopefully. Nice. So that'll be, that'll be all the democracy range. Um, all the investors range will be resin. Mm-hmm. Um, the, de- the democracy actually have all the new, um, characters and vehicles from Special Branch, mm-hmm. <coughs> and then also the Red Star Nations will be released. Can't wait for that. Which is the, all the cyborg dinosaurs yes. and um, essentially all the Russian guys, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you know, hind gunships, giant Tyrannosaurus Rex with Gatling gun arms, yeah, um, fighting <sighs> off, you know, overlords. You know your your shark warriors and your mm-hmm. giant brains and so so um, so yeah, there's a lot of lot of stuff happening. I mean, the yeah. good thing about I think I think the Kickstarter. I mean, I've never done Kickstarter before, but like I've mm-hmm. done everything. You've done everything I tried else. To, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tried to construct the Kickstarter with everything that I've already done, so I know. Um, like when I can deliver it, exactly. Like how much I can deliver, yeah. Like there, there's no surprises there for me. And so, you've already laid out your all of your goals, so it's not like all the stretch goals. So you know somehow, yeah. you know sometimes people like, oh yeah, if it goes all right, then I'll add a few stretch goals later, and then they're caught flat-footed. Um, having spoken to you and having read what you've already put out, um, even though this is your first Kickstarter you do have the dependability of two years of solid releases behind you and you have your own manufacturing base. So it's not like you're going to be, you know, choked up by other factors. That's right. 
and yeah. um, you have all of your stretch goals laid out. You've created the business plan. You know how it works, and you are ready. Um, yeah, and I've already made my. I've already made a full starter mm -hmm. set already. I know the box art now. Like mm -hmm. I've, I've almost had a, a trial run of everything. Exactly. Um, and actually, all the models are well, they're nearly all sculpted already. Yeah. So all the models are sculpted. Nearly all the art is done. Um, even though the in the Kickstarter, there's actually only a, I made it. Um, I'm not using a pledge manager. Because mm -hmm. to me, it's just too complicated. Yeah. I just if if people go in, they they pledge um, their money to buy the starter, and the first two hundred people to do that are probably taking the biggest risk mm -hmm. on value. So they get an exclusive Kickstarter miniature and bot or tape measure, Damn. and then but after the two hundred, every fourteen backers. Everybody in the Kickstarter gets an extra miniature for free. Nice. So up to, and I've capped this at 500 backers. So I don't want to, do, like, I know that I can deliver on time 500 ple pledges. Yeah. So that's why I've capped it at 500. But it'll actually mean that if we hit 500, every single backer will get an additional free 22 miniatures. Awesome. Yeah, man. So cool. for the same price as the original pledge. And if so you think no... about that, guys, um, I mean, remember, all you need to play this game is like six models. So put that, yeah, I mean, yeah. well, put that yeah. in perspective. You are talking about a lot of variety to choose from there. You can create a lot of different forces. And yeah, it's very cool. Well, potentially you would be getting four factions. Yeah, exactly. So with swap-ins for some of the other factions, actually. Yep. So, so, so yeah, I figured like if, if um, the value is probably not there initially, but once you get to 214 backers and keep going up, mm -hmm. the value just keeps getting better for everybody that backs. Awesome. So... So if we can get to um, 500 backers, then everybody will be very happy, I think. <laughs> right on. And, man, the way things have been going for you, I, I see you doing it. Well, Anthony, it has been, it has been a, a pleasure having you on again. Um, let's, um, let's have you on again. Uh, hopefully it's sooner than a year. But, um, yeah, I'm... I'm blown away at your progress, mate. You are a, truly an inspiration. I've, I've heard the quote recently, and I've repeated it to my kids, that you can't climb a mountain unless you take a step in the right direction, and every step helps you to get to the top, and you just take one step after another step after another step, and that has just been sort of how you've gone from literally a $5 broken washing machine to right. <laughs> 200 new models this year in a game that is just that is now as you say you, your fluff is fully developed the game has nuance you continue to play and fit you know i i am just blown away at by the quality of your models the quality of your rule set and the fact that you've done this essentially you know by big borrow and stealing and 
figuring it out yourself. You are truly an inspiration, mate. So thank you again for coming on. It is always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, well, maybe in a year's time, who knows where, who knows where we'll exactly, be right? in, a, in a year's time. Like, I'm hoping um, that there'll be all the game cards will be in hard copy mm-hmm. for people. There'll be, there's definitely, I've already developed, a, uh, I don't know if you saw on the group, the uh, the double set of the ter- cardboard terrain pack. Oh, yeah. Um, get the city or an airport. Mm-hmm. That's already fully ready to push the green button on, which is some of the Kickstarter money will pay for that, even though it's not in the actual Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, just every faction, every faction this year, I think, except for Snake Corp and Trashes, will probably be in full resin nice. um, by the end of this year. Um I'm thinking that by mid next year, Bot War will only be getting little releases because everything's already fully awesome, mm-hmm. and I'll start looking at if at different projects. Awesome. I'd like my 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 pipe dream, long 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 term dream, is to do a sort of Cities of Gold um, sort of skirmish game with uh, Aztecs and Spanish and something completely different. Like uh, awesome. Yeah. So anyway. Well, mate, if if this is anything to go by, uh, a I'm looking <laughs> forward to another year of Bot War, if not longer. Well, not if, definitely longer. Um, but I, I I'd love to see what you know, what other you know creative endeavors spill out as uh, as you as you keep going. So yeah, yeah, awesome. And look, thanks very much for having me on the show, Brad. It's awesome. Anytime. Um, show. And I'm always. I've always, uh, whenever I see you in the group and stuff like that, I was like, yeah, Brad's, Brad's still here. Keep on it. top of it all. That's it, man. It's, I've been following, I've been following all along. It's, it's an awesome group I've to been, follow. I've Great community. Your blog as well. I'm jealous of your blog. Um, uh, and Dr. Mercury's blog I follow. Yes. Right. As well. So mm-hmm. I was always a big fan. I've still, I think we spoke last time. I've oh, all, yeah. still got all my comic yeah. books and, and all that sort of stuff. So oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, given that uh, Bot War has leaned heavily into the nostalgia department of my childhood, there I, I may <laughs> be painting some some uh, some Bot War models very soon. Uh, in fact, I think we'll be talking. But anyway, uh, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, if speaking of talking, um, if you would like to uh, follow this, uh, follow the hobby blog that. Uh, Ant's talking about, uh, if you go to Facebook and go to Cast Dice, that's C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E, you can see what I am working on and all the weird and wonderful projects I'm painting. I'm currently painting a uh, 28-millimeter slash 156-scale G.I. Joe uh, army for a, an event coming up next month that I'm very excited and a little nervous about getting done, um, where I'm converting each and every model. Likewise, um, if you would like to message the page to give us feedback about either this episode or any of the others we've done recently, you can just message that Facebook page. That's Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. My name is Brad. I'm the guy you talk to. Um, Please do. And um, guys... Again, uh, podcasts doesn't co- don't cost money. Um, I don't ask for a Patreon pledge or anything like that. If you want to enjoy this show, I'm just glad that you're here. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to listen tonight. Uh, it is it means the world to me. So thank you very much for your time, and uh, I hope you enjoy episodes going into the future. Uh, and I guess, as our good buddy Casey always says, 
If you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than anything else, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Good night.